one that requires a long film. That's Carlo Poliakovo. I'm Matthew Cause. You're listening to First Up. Last night, the Toronto Raptors lose to the Clippers. Was it about rebounds? Was it about free throws? Or was it about officials? Aaron Rodgers is closer to being a New York Jet. Morant, no punishment for him from the cops. Meanwhile, Zion Williamson out for two more weeks. Meanwhile, Durant did not make his home debut. Meanwhile, Luka Doncic, a hip injury as the Mavericks lose to the Pelicans. Do I need to keep filling? Not much more. Here's you too. That is called... Way to hit the post there, buddy. That is called hitting the post in radio, and it is so sad just how much joy I take in that. I imagine Carlo, and this is first up by Matthew Cousin for Aaron Karolnik. I, I imagine Carlo, that everyone in their job, they've got the, those little mundane things that they love when they nail and they get right. And it is no big picture um, ramifications, but it just makes you smile like making four greens in a row while you're driving down a city street. So, yes, that, uh, that did make me feel pretty, pretty good about you myself. It, buddy. Also, our program director, Jeff McDonald, is not thrilled with the uh, all the uh, fish and cheese conversation on the show today. <laughs> That's not my fault. I know why I get blamed for this. I'm the one who usually comes up with ridiculous topics. This one is not my fault. By the way, someone writing in a, a good point to side with you, Carlo. Tuna melt and lobster mac and cheese. Right? They're good combos. No one's <laughs> right. going to lie. They're, they're got, good combos. Again, I'm not saying, like, I, I cook a piece of, of fish and I grab a, a, a you know, a, a slab kind of cheese. kind of what you were, and put it what you were talking no. about. No. My question is, is why do people scoff at the idea when you sprinkle cheese on fish? It's like it, people say, like people act like it's the That's most gross. disgusting thing in the world to do. That is gross. I don't that get is gross. it. Because it's, it's, a dangerous, it. it's a dangerous game, my friend. You are dealing with two very fragrant food items, and you're trying to combine them together. That doesn't work, my but friend. But what's so dangerous about it? You just talked about tuna melt and lobster mac and cheese. We're talking, <laughs> about, we're talking about a fillet of fish. And not no, a we're not. Of- we're not. The question is the mixture of fish and cheese. You got to be very I'm, careful. I'm, I'm not sitting here and saying I go cook a rainbow trout and grab, a, a, a you know a, a block of cheese and and spread it over it. No, I'm not saying that. All right, all right. That's what it seemed earlier, and it got us all scared. People were texting in. People were saying you're an animal. You're a monster. <laughs> an animal. I didn't defend you. I threw you under the bus. That's what I do. <laughs> um, real nice. quick, you, you you were mentioned earlier about the players' championship, and this is one of the moments where I, I don't like live where we're not going to get to see Cameron Smith. So the the players had never had a back-to-back champion, and we're not going to have it again this year. That bums me out. Matthew, hold on a second. You don't like Liv. Did you see the purse of the players' championship this year? How could you not like Liv? Do I get any of that money? Liv is the reason why the purse to win is $4 million right now. Do you think I care about that? Oh, thank God. Oh, John Rom, with all that money, he can now put in a second hot tub in his third home in Switzerland. Get out of here. I want to see the best golfers. I think, I, by the way, 
I think it is a positive that the, there's more money because that will attract more golfers to events, and it certainly puts more stakes at it. But I would like to see Cameron Smith and all his glory be trying to avoid the water on 17 at Sawgrass, but we're not going to get that. Um, I do find it interesting that Rom, Scheffler, and McElroy, they've all been number one in the official rankings. If one of those three wins this tournament, they walk away on Monday with the belt as the number one golfer in the world. So there is plenty of stakes. And then the last thing, who doesn't enjoy watching professional golfers hit a ball into the water, which we'll see a lot on 17? Yeah, no, it humanizes you know people, Hell yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Ooh. By the way, speaking yes. of humanized, sorry to interrupt you. But I don't know if you got a chance to read it, but Calvin Ridley, the great receiver for the Falcons, was suspended for a year for betting on sports. And he put out this letter to the Players' Tribune called A Letter to the Game. And I would tell him to read it. Like, it talks about how just how much of his career he spent taking a Toradol shot. Or his best years early, he was playing through bone spurs and painkillers. And then talked about um, seeing security footage when his home got robbed. And his family was not in the home, but his wife was traumatized when you saw five or six guys come into his home with the guns drawn and then just dealing with some mental issues and him on his own betting on a on a, a bunch of like basketball games and throwing in a couple hundred bucks on the Falcons as part of a parlay on them to win and then him being suspended for a year. And the final line of this was, I'm uh, if I'm healthy, I'm giving Jacksonville 1,400 yards. Football saved my life. It's still my purpose. I still love it. Maybe, maybe now more than ever. I got to tell you, Carlo. I read this. I am rooting so hard for Calvin Ridley to just dominate the NBA this season. Yeah, look, there, there's a human side to this, right? Um, clearly, this is a guy that felt like because of what he did and because he was so quiet through the whole process. This was his welcome back to life in the NFL moment. Yeah. That he just needed to let everybody know what he did, how he dealt with it, the things that he was dealing with. And now hopefully he gets the support of everybody around him that he can, um, you know, recapture his life as an NFL football player. Because he believes, like, he's an incredible talent. He wasn't, he was that type of talent in Atlanta. But clearly he made some very questionable decisions. And, dealing with those making those questionable decisions he was always dealing he was already dealing with real life problems yeah right and by the way carlo he says early on i screwed up yeah you know he starts it by saying i screwed up he then explains a lot of his life and his background and just a horrible such a tough childhood and he never says uh ex- you know this is why um, uh, don't blame me he's like put the blame on me and then let me let me humanize myself to the world. Let me let me give you a little glimpse into my world. And and now I I can't wait. Like I I am rooting for this guy now every uh, every week in the NFL next year. And I hope him and Trevor Lawrence have this beautiful relationship because it was one of the great stories in the NFL last year. Yeah. Was Trevor Lawrence finally starting to make a name for himself because he you know he was I mean he had a bad rookie year and again a lot of that was Urban Meyer. Right. And, you know, you look at that Jacksonville team and what they could potentially be. They, they, they franchise tag Evan Ingram, the big tight end. They got yeah. Christian Kirk. They've got Now they've got Calvin Ridley as another wide receiver option. They've got um, 
Who's the guy in the backfield? Uh, James Robinson or no, those... not James Robinson. The guy oh, Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. him too, and they've got you know a coach that the players want to play for. Yeah, right? Doug. They've they've, they've they've won the they won the the division last year. They gave Kansas City a go right to the end in the second round. Comeback and... win over the Chargers. Right. So there's a lot of positive a hell of a momentum season. around this uh, around this Jacksonville Jaguars team. So we'll, we'll ultimately see how it all plays out, but. Clearly for Calvin Ridley, I think the best thing he did was get ahead of this, you know, write the story that he did to let people understand everything that he went through, all the mistakes that he made. And in life, look, people make mistakes. It's all about the things you do that are going to show people you're ready to learn from those mistakes. And I think that's what he's ready to, 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 to embrace here. Coming up on the other side, TFC President Bill Manning is going to join the show. The, the home opener for TFC at BMO is this Saturday night against the Columbus Crew. And don't worry, Carlo and I, we got 17 questions about proper deployment of the center backs. But where I need to start, when they were wooing Sean Johnson, what happened at Soto Soto with Drake, <laughs> with Bill Manning? I have questions. I need answers. And we'll do that next right here on First Up. This week on First Up, we're giving away March Breakaway VIP prize packs to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Each package includes a Hockey Hall of Fame VIP family pass for four. That includes a photo package with the Stanley Cup. $50 Spirit of Hockey gift card. $100 SO gift card to win today's giveaway here's what you got to do text 10 50 50 with your name and the correct answer to the following question among the original six nhl franchises which team has the fewest inductees into the hockey hall of fame check hhof.com slash march break for everything you need to plan your visit including getaway packages and special offers so again text 10 50 50 with your name to that question here's a clue no it's not the maple leafs so everyone just calm down joining us now it's the president of TFC. It is Bill Manning. A reminder, the home opener at BMO Saturday night against the Columbus Crew. Bill, thank you so much for joining the show today. Happy to be on. So, Bill, I want to start here. I have uh, many, many questions about proper deployment um, uh, for your team for the upcoming game against the Columbus Crew. We'll do some real hardcore X's and O's. All right. But bef before we get there... <laughs> Before we get there, I was reading your interview with Steve Buffery in the Toronto Sun, and I need to know, what was dinner like at Soto Soto in Yorkville with Drake as you guys were wooing Sean Johnson? <laughs> Take me to that dinner. Let's start there. Uh, no, he, he didn't join us for dinner, but he happened to be there. And uh, one of the guys who we work with at Soto Soto uh, knew we were recruiting Sean, and uh, he's a TFC fan, and he kind of mentioned to Drake if he could come over and say hello, and so he did, and uh, it was great. I, I, I asked Drake to see if he could uh, give Sean a little bit uh, insight into Toronto, and he took a good five minutes and had a great rapport with Sean, and sure enough, you know, about, a, about two, three weeks later, we were able to sign him. So that was uh, not planned, but uh, just such an amazing experience. We all, when he left the room, we all looked at each other and were like, okay, that just happened. That is so cool. But 
I got to follow up on this because I'm a journalist. What do you think yeah. played a bigger part in Sean Johnson becoming a member of TSC? Was it the appearance of Drake or was it the selection of Italian wines that I'm sure were ordered at Soto Soto? Because that's a great setup you got there. Oh, it is. Uh, <laughs> I you know I got to go with Drake, but uh, the uh, Soto Soto is great. The head chef Massimo Renzi is a big fan, and uh, they always treat us well. Absolutely. I might have gone with the Barolo. Hey, listen, we, we can talk about the, the start of the season, and we'll get in, and I know we want to get an update on how Insignia is doing. But, but the one thing I'm curious uh, about is more just sort of big picture. And you talked about it with Buffery, just about the vision of the team and the vision of the team for the next five years. How different is this version of TFC versus the team the last two years that certainly fell on hard times? Oh, much different. But before I go anywhere, is my man Carlo there? I'm He's here, right here, Bill. How are you, buddy? Oh, I just Matthew, sure. Matthew doesn't let me talk. He's I'm sorry. I got excited. I got excited yeah. about all things Soto Soto. And you're right. Bad hosting <laughs> by me. All right. Yeah. No, so the, the team is much, much different. You know, two years ago when we were down in Florida playing through COVID, kind of the wheels uh, fell off the bus a bit. It was our second year away. And we needed to rebuild. And so we brought in Bob and, and, you know, obviously the arrival of the Italians in the summer last year. And then Mark Anthony Kay and Richie Luria, who were the Canadian national team. And that started our rebuild. And then this offseason, we, we brought in, a, you know, six or seven new players, five of them starters. And so it's a completely different team, much more experienced uh, guys who've played in big competitions, guys who've won championships. Um, and that's, you know, what we needed to do. And so now we feel going forward, we kind of have what I would say is a stable uh, starting 11. And now it's going to be seeing how the team reacts through the season, where we need to fill holes. And then what you want to do, any championship team, you want to build some stability. And so that's our goal now is, you know, over the next, you know, three or four years to have a more relatively stable lineup. A lot of these guys are under longer-term contracts now. And, um, you know, we just got to start to look deliver um, on the field. And two, two big home games coming up for us to get points. Um, we were able to eke out a point in Atlanta last weekend in a very, very difficult game. They were all over us. But I say like a year ago, yes, the difference. A year ago, we lose that game in Atlanta 5-1. to one. So uh, to come away with a draw, Sean Johnson stood on his head a bit. It was, uh, it was a good result for us. Yeah, and it was a good result considering how tough of a loss the opening game was in the oh, D.C. Where, gut punch. You know, you had a late lead and you give up two late goals, and it was an absolute gut punch. And it's, it's, it's you know, I'm glad there was a good response from it because it gave you, you know, visions of what, you know, what last year was when you struggled so mightily defensively and yeah. with those two defensive miscues. And nice to see that the group has rebounded. But you mentioned the Italians and how much of an impact that was with the vision of how you expect this team to be in the next three, four years. Obviously, Ben Ardeshi's been an absolute stud. And you start the season with an injury to Insegna. Is there an update on his injury? Can TFC and the Reds fans expect to see him in the home opener this weekend? Yeah, you know, he trained yesterday, and uh, he's going to train full today. It was a very slight, you know, we got lucky. He, he felt it, uh, a little twinge in the game. Um, in D.C., and he immediately pulled himself out, and he had a very slight grade one uh, strain, and so uh, he's been training the last week and a half in rehab, and he's feeling really good. He's in good spirits. I just think, you know, he he feels 
um, also uh, the need to really deliver back for the club and the city. Um, and I think he, you know, when he felt a little strain, um, he, you know, he was like thinking the worst. And so mm-hmm. good thing. It was just slight, you know, he's, he's a, he's a guy that takes care of his body and, um, you know, works hard and, and, you know, eats right. All he does all the right things. So, uh, that was really fortunate for him. And so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he does today and tomorrow. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, hopefully, uh, Hopefully everything goes okay and he'll be able to join us on Saturday. Bill, I want to ask you a big picture of MLS. You know, we're seeing every year new teams come in. It's it's created an exponential growth. I mean, there's 29 teams in MLS this year, and I think St. Louis is an expansion team this year, and I believe Austin is as well, too, correct? Or is it just St. Louis? Well, Austin joined last year, uh, two years okay. ago, and they uh, – okay. They had a real good season last year, and St. Louis just opened up this year. They they had their home opener last weekend. was a what fantastic a event. Yeah, yeah, just uh, amazing. And so, you know, the growth of the league over the last, I mean, boy, even the last 10 years has just been phenomenal. I think it's been a team a year almost for the last 18 or 19 years. Yeah, no, and that's, that's amazing to see in a league like MLS that's really uh, growing exponentially both – um, you know, locally and nationally with the talent that you guys are, are able to bring over year after year. But, you know, I was watching the home opener in the month of February, and I'm seeing guys in, like, winter weather out there. Is, is, is that a concern around the league that maybe you guys are starting too early? I mean, when I'm watching soccer players run on the field and they have, like, like smoke like coming out of their mouth because of the air that they're breathing. I'm like, this isn't soccer weather. What's going on over here? Yeah, you know, it's 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 always a debate. Um, you know, it's a it's a long season, and it, you know, it's difficult um, to squeeze in different events as well, like the Canadian Championship down in the U.S. The U.S. Open Cup. You've got Concacaf Champions League, which is our region. Uh, with this new Leagues Cup now we're going to have with uh, Liga MX. And then you got all your league games. And so um, it winds up being a long season. And, and you want to take advantage of the weekends uh, for soccer traditionally. And, um, you know, it stretches the season. So you see teams, you know, in warmer weather markets like, you know, Miami and L.A. and the Texas teams and so on, they're fine to play in February. Not so much up here in right. Toronto and in New England and, and Chicago. Um, but you know, good thing you didn't have your home opener last weekend after uh, that snowstorm well, we had I, Friday I, night. <laughs> I pushed hard not to have because usually it's it's you know if you're not home the opening weekend you're home the next weekend and I pushed hard to push it back a little bit further. Uh, but eventually, you know, what happens is the warm weather clubs don't want to start out with five games in a row at home because it affects right. ticket sales, and so it's a little bit of a balancing act. Um, the field is is. Uh, it's pretty good right now, so we're really happy with that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I remember working, you know, in the NFL a little bit and some cold, cold games in Philadelphia Outdoor Stadium. And so it's, uh, I think our fans have some fun with it. They remember probably the most memorable moments at TFC were in freezing cold weather and, and MLS right. Cups that we hosted. So um, we, we're going to have a good crowd. I think they'll have some fun with it. And, uh, you know, hopefully. Hopefully Mother Nature gives us a nice uh, sunny day, and then into the evening it's not too bad. I, I looked it up Saturday afternoon. It is cloudy with sunny breaks. 
Saturday, e Saturday evening, partly cloudy, and at the worst, it's going to be minus four. We can we can handle this. Oh, we can handle we can handle this. It's, yeah. just, it's not like a this it's not Canada. a four hour Come baseball on. game. It's like a walk in the park. This is Canada. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Listen, yeah. throw on an extra scarf. You know, throw on an extra scarf, and you're going to be fine. So, Carla, uh, the uh, the Calabrese and the Sicilians and so on, they might have a tough time with it. Yeah, <laughs> I know the Italians don't like the cold, but uh, they'll they'll figure out the nice nice the wine will keep them warm. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah, wait, yeah, hold on, sure. wait, wait, wait. The northern Italians, my background up in Alba, you know, oh, the Torino Piemonte area, <laughs> we can handle the cold. We're fine Absolutely. with the cold. Absolutely, uh, they'll, they'll yeah. be fine. Here we go. Uh, Bill, just want to talk to you about the <laughs> roster. Um, you have a designated spot open on your roster. Um, are, are you planning to fill it sometime throughout the season? Uh, not right now. You know, we're going to wait and see how things play out for the summer. Um, just because of our salary cap and the way it works in the league, um, we've slotted Jonathan Osorio in that third spot because you actually get relief. A designated player only counts 650000 on the cap. Okay. Um, but you could flip that. And so as we get into midseason, see what happens in the summer window, um, you know, we'll make a decision on, on whether we want to bring in another acquisition or not. It's, uh, you know, for us, it's, um, it's all about the balance in the team. And we just want to see where it is, how it's doing. Um, you know, we made a number of new acquisitions uh, over the winter here. And so as those guys get ingrained in the team, um, we'll see. So we, we still kind of have, uh, you know, some, some potential there, but, but we're going to wait till the summer window and see how we, how we use that or not. Just uh, in, you know, as we wrap things up here, what expectations do you have for the, the club this season? Uh, a team that can compete for trophies. Um, you know, the, the guys we've brought in are, you know, at a stage of their career where, where they know how to win, they're ready to win. Um, you know, we're going to look, it's a long season. And so we're going to really look to see some of our younger guys who, who got minutes last year, be able to come in and, uh, and deliver, um, in moments in terms of our depth, uh, cause that's going to be needed through a long season, but, but we want to compete for trophies and, uh, you know, this is a team will be a playoff team. And, uh, you know, hopefully as we get through the summer, you know, similar to 2016, when we brought in uh, a number of players in that off season, the team really starts to gel in the summer and makes a good run uh, into the playoffs. And uh, this team does have a lot of guys that know what it takes to win. And so that was uh, that was the whole mindset in this off season to get guys of character and uh, and to improve defensively, as we mentioned earlier. So that's yeah. uh, with Sean Johnson and Matt Hedges and Ziggy Rostead now and. We just got to finalize the deal with Richie to keep him here, Richie Luria. Um, and, and, you know, defensively, we feel we're going to be really sound. And then as the Italians round into form, and um, we brought in a, a, a guy, a veteran, Adama Diamande, um, you know, we think, we think offense will take care of itself. So it's uh, this, this, I think it'll be a matter of the team gelling. And um, as we hit summer, I think this team's going to take off. Bill, really appreciate. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Again, the home opener this Saturday at BMO against Columbus Crew. All the best. Enjoy the game and uh, dress warm. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Carlo. Take care. See you, buddy. Great catching bye -bye. up with you. Yep. Bye-bye. That is TFC President Bill Manning.
And yeah, it's a, you know, again, it's not a baseball game. It's not, you know, three plus hour game. It goes, you know, a little bit quicker, but yeah. again. That's the one thing I love about funny. soccer, Matt, is the game starts at seven. At seven o'clock, the ball yep. gets kicked off. Yes. You know, no, 45 minutes. There's no shenanigans. There's no 45 minute halves with a couple of yep. minutes of injury time. You've got to prepare yourself a two hour match between yep. halftime and all the extra injury time. You're there for two hours. Do what you want for those two hours, but at least you know how long you're going to be there. Not like, you know, baseball where, and I love the fact that they've addressed the extra innings rule where they finding, they're finding a, a better way to make it end quicker, but. Man, yeah. you go to these long extra inning games, it just drags out. It's like, no thanks. See you later. Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star is going to join us. What are his thoughts on McDavid versus the Bruins? And what is the perfect birthday gift for Morgan Riley? It's his birthday today. That's Carlo. I'm Cause. This is First Up. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Up. I'm Matthew Cause in for Aaron Karolnik. Joining us now, one of our favorite guests, from the Toronto Star, it is Dave Feschuk. Good morning, Dave. How you doing? Gentlemen, you know, I've been weighing this this vociferous debate you guys have been having about fish and cheese. This, yes. it's, it's absolutely consumed my morning. Yeah. So thank you very much. You've, you've totally put me off track of doing any actual work while I ponder this massive question. It's made you hungry, though, hasn't it? Oh, has it ever, Carlo? But i got to say, Kaz, I know you are... Cause I know you're the go-to, you know, authority on all things culinary and wine-related. You've been to the best restaurants in the world. You've had the the greatest offerings that humankind uh, can give a man on a plate and Hell in yeah. a glass. But but Carlo's right on this. Carlo is dead right Thank on this. You. And I will Thank present you, you with one piece of evidence. One piece of evidence. The most popular fish offering on this planet, the most popular fish sandwich on this planet, the filet o fish of the Great Golden Arches establishment, comes with a nice slice of processed American cheese, Mr. Cause. Case closed. Thank you, Dave Feschuk, for making my argument for me. Next time you're at a nice restaurant and you order the Brazzini, you order a black cod, you order a sea bass, and they say, would you like us to dump some shredded cheese on it? You will, of course, say no. But if it's fish tacos, <laughs> it's not or shredded mac, cheese, Matt. You're you're basically putting like a nice parmesan what? over top of it no it's still gross that's still gross it doesn't matter how nice no, the parmesan the peop the people have spoken cause what i'm trying to say is the people have spoken fish and cheese are a perfect match no you were the you, you, you were know, the go no further than your local drive-thru everyone out there if you're going to buy a newspaper how about the globe and mail maybe the national post <laughs> or try the toronto sun uh dave oh, there's I know, I'm a complete jerk, but I'm still the one who buys newspapers all the time. Uh, Dave, today is Morgan Riley's birthday. He's 29 years old. You've got to give a gift to Morgan Riley. What is your birthday gift for the Leafs' number one defenseman? Well, is it is it possible to box up some confidence and send it via FedEx? Because <laughs> I think this dude needs some confidence, man. He he's He seems to be at a crossroads in his career, almost in between... It's like an identity crisis. It's because and I know what I know what it stems from. We all know what it stems from. It stems from the fact that when he was out for 15 games this year, the Leafs turned into the best defensive team in the league, and because they played a way that Morgan Riley does not play, 
they did not take risks. They did not prioritize offense. They did not jump into rushes and make bad pinches and do all those things that we've come to, you know, not particularly love about Morgan Riley's game. And then when he comes back, he's trying to figure out, how should I play? These guys are really good without me. You know, should I be more defensive? But if I'm more defensive, I'm not Morgan Riley. But if I'm too offensive, I'm making mistakes that lead to pucks in our net, which takes away from our goal this season to be one of the best defensive teams in the league and be a more playoff-worthy team when it comes to style of play. So he, I don't know, man. He's at a career crossroads, and I don't know if there's any you know easy recipe and certainly not a birthday gift, but I think confidence is at the root of the problem. We had a question posed to us this morning in one of our segments that come playoff time, um, who would you rather have the best of, the best of Morgan Riley or the best of Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I mean, I, I, I just, as much as I think Ryan O'Reilly is going to be important for a lot of different reasons, and obviously the fact that he's been a Conn Smythe winner in, 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 in recent times and can relay those experiences to people in that room and drag people along when they need to be dragged, I think it's Morgan Riley because I just don't know of, maybe outside of that one Pittsburgh team that won a cup with, with Chris Letang sidelined and they did it by committee on the back end, that's an outlier. That is not the trend in Stanley Cup winners or contenders for that matter. I think you need a number one defenseman playing like a number one defenseman. And I'm just not sure they can overcome anything but that. Joined by Dave Feschuk from the Toronto Star. Yeah, by the way, that is a great point. I, I was arguing Ryan O'Reilly because none of the Maple Leafs forwards score in elimination games in the playoffs. But you are right. When you well, look at there the is blue- that. Yeah, but when you look at the blueprint of every most Stanley Cup winners, Hedman, Makar, you can go up and down. You'll see that uh, Duncan Keith, that number one, uh, that number one defenseman, uh, staying with hockey. To me, the most fascinating game of the night. In fact, this might be the game of the year where you've got a Bruins team that looks like peak Red Wings from the mid to late '90s going up against Connor McDavid, who's peak Sidney Crosby in terms of his play right now. And for you, more impressive, the individual season of Connor McDavid or the team season of the Boston Bruins? It's McDavid in a landslide. As, as, oh, as get impressive as the Bruins are. Like this. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I will now get give out your of answer. Here, G- give your I'm, answer. I'm with you, back. Dave. I'm with you, Dave. Look, I mean, we've seen, like, we've seen a lot of these team success like when you start talking about greatest season in the history of the nhl regular season you're comparing apples to oranges right because in in the three-point game era where you can get this loser point that skewed all historical totals right because there was a time when there was no such thing as a loser point and so all those great teams of all those other eras don't really stack up to this era in terms of the points they can compile um, and I also think, look, it's a, it's a league of haves and have-nots, right, where there's a lot of bad teams and you can pile up some wins. But when you look at McDavid, guys, like, nobody's done this. In terms of lapping the field, like, I'm looking at it right now. He's, he's, got, he's got a 100 and, uh, 124 points. That's a 28-point lead on the next best guy, who happens to be a guy uh, whose totals he contributes to in Leon Dreisaitl, who's got 96 points. That's like I'm starting to do the math. That's a 29% difference in their points, right? You have to go back to uh, one man. Only one man has put together that kind of a spread on the competition uh, in recent, like, you know, go. I'm not looking into the 1920s here. I'm looking like post expansion, and that's Wayne Gretzky. 
Now, Gretzky once had a 69-point spread on the next best guy. He had 183, and nice. Yari Curry had 108. Um, but, you know, Gretzky, like, the, nobody's done 29%. Nobody's put a 29% gap on the competition. Crosby's best was a 20% gap. Patrick Kane had a 19% gap. Like, what he's doing here in terms of just being so much better than everybody else and absolutely being, you know, so bent on nightly consistency, that's the thing I love. That's the thing you don't see in sports anymore, guys. Like, who who brings that nightly consistency in the era of load management and on this Maple Leafs team as good as the guys have been, they don't bring it every night. They they take nights off, and, and McDavid just never seems to take nights off, and that's why he is doing what he's doing in such a historic way. I got to tell you, that is a fantastic answer, and if anyone wants to subscribe to it, I can see why a coherent argument made by Dave Festchuk. My only pushback, look at the gap between Boston and Carolina. And also with the Boston Bruins, they're putting up these points and these wins in the Atlantic against the toughest division in hockey. It's not like they're putting up 100-plus points in the Pacific. So that would be my pushback to you, Dave Fisher. Yeah. Oh, look, they're both like, look, you're asking, you're, you're asking me to pick between two incredibly impressive things, right? No I know, I know. It's, I'm not, it's what we I'm do not in diminishing what the Bruins are doing. Yeah, no, it, but I mean, this is a rare season in that you've got you've got a guy doing something that hasn't been done since the 80s, really, in terms yeah. of putting a gap between himself and the next best player, the next most productive player, for sure. Um, that hasn't been done since Wayne Gretzky, you know, w- was near his prime and or maybe at his prime. And, and then you've got you've got this Bruins team doing an historic thing, too. It's it's a special year. It's been a fun year. You know, it's it's great to see scoring up. It's 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 way better for the sport. We languished through all those years, guys, in the mid you know 2010s where the goaltending was at its peak and it was harder to score. And it, I, I cannot be convinced that this league does not benefit greatly when it's a little easier to put the puck in the net and the point totals get a little higher and you see a little more fireworks out there on a nightly basis. It's not it's not the 80s, uh, which a lot of us grew up on, or at least old guys grew up on, but it's it's getting close and I think it's I think it's good for the game. I love how you said fireworks because this is the perfect transition to what happened post-game with the Raptors yesterday. It was the fireworks that Fred Van Vliet set off with how openly honest he was about a certain referee um, that clearly has it in for him. Well, what did you make about his comments, and do you think they were warranted? Look, refereeing in the NBA is very inconsistent. We all know that. There, there. You talk about a, a transition period and being in between and not having confidence in Morgan Riley. NBA refereeing right now is is a lot like that. Like a lot of the old guys have retired. There's a lot of very young officials who who aren't particularly good, right, at their jobs. And and so he's not wrong. Like there's 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 all kinds of calls out there that don't make sense. And and certainly coming off the night in Denver where Scott Foster took it upon himself to essentially decide the game by teeing up Scotty Barnes at that moment with 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 uh, less than a minute left in the game and and the and the game still in the balance. That obviously contributed to the frustration level on the Raptor bench, but to me, this is this is a lot of Fred Van Vliet projecting his season-long frustration on the referees, and you know, in this game because they didn't lose this game because of the referees, and Fred Van Vliet admitted they didn't lose the game because of the referees. He said he essentially said after all the bluster and all the vitriol that's going to get him fined 
by taking down uh, the, the officiating in that game. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously specifically Ben Taylor. Um, this was not about the refs. They got killed by uh, Kawhi Leonard in his prime. Like, Kawhi Leonard's never looked this good, guys, since he, since he played for the Raptors in 2019. And, and maybe, it, maybe it helps that he took an entire year off and barely played this season. But he looks <laughs> awfully good right now in his 40 minutes last night. And so, yeah, this is Fred Van Vliet just expressing the frustration that I think the entire Raptors organization feels. They thought they were better than this. They thought they they didn't think they'd be six games out of sixth place at this point in the season. They didn't think they'd be barely holding on to tenth place, a half game up on tenth place at this point in the season. They thought they were much better. They thought they were going to take a step over last year when they won forty eight games, and it's just not happening for them. And I think what you saw from Fred Vliet there was a lot of that bottled up frustration coming out in kind of misdirected at the officiating. I agree with most of that. I, I said the only thing is, is uh, Fred is at eight technicals. Five have been called by one very specific official. So that makes you do wonder a little bit of the specter of his, any of his personal. But, yes, a lot of this was just Fred, well, being, uh, Fred being upset. But um, Well, the, they, you know, people always say, oh, yeah. you know, the one thing about that. Sorry, guys. No, I, I always say people, like, having known referees, you know, we, we cross paths with the referees in our business quite a lot. People say, why does it get personal? Because guess what? Both people are human beings, and human beings have personal interactions, and sometimes two people clash. But that's just that's the game, man, and everybody's got to know it, and Fred's got to be better than that, in, in my opinion. Good answer. Way to end this. Dave, enjoy your daily breakfast of seven filet fish with heaping <laughs> amounts of cheese on it. We look forward to chatting with you soon. And again, everyone, go grab a copy, a physical copy of the Toronto Star. Thank you, Dave. Or as we like to call it, fish wrap. Fish yes. wrap. That's yes. true. That's true. After you're done reading the paper, you wrap it up with your fish and chips when you're in London, <laughs> and it's the 1970s. Good, timely reference. Thanks so much, Dave. Here you Thanks, go. guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day. See ya. Yep. We got to take a break. Coming up on the other side, it is my FanDuel Best Bets. You're listening to First Stop right here on TSN 1050. We are giving away a pair of Raptors tickets. Listen to each hour of the First Up podcast for a clue to the identity of a former or current Raptors player. And once you have all the clues and you know the identity of the player, you'll have until the end of the day to enter at tsn1050.ca for your chance to win the tickets. Here is your clue. The final clue for today's Reveal That Raptor contest is... This Raptor recently signed with one of the favorites to win the NBA title this season. Welcome back, everyone. This is First Up. I'm your sort of host, Matthew Cousin, for Aaron Karolnik. That's Carlo Koliakovo. It's been another delightful Step Brothers edition of the show. Today's Best Bets is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And I love the Brooklyn Nets to cover against Milwaukee. They're a 12.5-point underdog. They've played good ball since they traded Durant. And uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't feeling, wasn't feeling well, missed Tuesday's game. We'll see how he's doing tonight. Maybe a look ahead for Milwaukee. They take on the Warriors in their next game. Next, they'll take the Devils to bounce back against Washington. Washington, 3-8 and eight in their last 11. Two of those wins were against San Jose and Anaheim. And finally, Julius Randle taking on one of the worst defenses in the entire NBA. I'll take it. It's a high total of 28 and a half. 
I'm still going to take the over as the Knicks travel to Sacramento. Today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Carla, before we get out of here, you want to give an, an update. What is going on at Sawgrass at the TPC? Yeah, well, uh, some interesting turn of events. We've already seen a hole-in-one. Hayden yeah. Buckley on 17, famous uh, Island Green hole, hit a hole-in-one, and he sits up top of the leaderboard right now at minus 5. But looky, looky, not too far behind him, the Canadian, Taylor Pendrith, off to a hot start, minus 4 after 9 holes. So, um See how this one plays out, but you can yeah. find both players right now on FanDuel live betting plus forty five hundred for both Ooh. players, both in the lead. I know it's only day one, but you don't know. Why not? Get why off to be a hot optimist. start? It's a sunny Thursday. Why not be optimistic about it? Mm. Carlo, that'll do it for us today. Tomorrow we look back at McDavid versus the Bruins. We look ahead to the Leafs taking on Edmonton, the Raptors taking on the Lakers, all things TPC, and maybe by tomorrow, Aaron Rodgers could be a New York Jet. The news never stops. Always a lot of fun, my friend. Always is, buddy. Thank God tomorrow's Friday. Oh, what are you talking about? That's a problem Friday. We don't get to do it again on the next day. <laughs> Damn you, weekend. <laughs> Shout out All to right, producers. Buddy. Chris, go have, yourself, go have yourself a nice piece of uh, uh, fish for lunch. With a giant slice of Gouda on top of my cod. Yeah, and then uh, maybe some uh, seafood risotto or seafood linguine oh, pescatore for dinner. <gasps> Sprinkle some cheese over top of it. Get yourself a nice bottle of wine and call it a night, buddy. We'll see you I'll tomorrow. Do least, Bye, I'll everyone. I'll do that at least part of it. <laughs> Ciao. Oh, and the reason, baby. Baby shark. Do, 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 do. Oh, no. <laughs>